0: Welcome to the study of God's Word recorded live at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media or to tune into our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Now let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. So tonight, We're going to be in 2 Corinthians 5, and I have a long introduction before we get there just to really kind of hopefully get us in context. And the title of my message is, He Makes All Things New Now! Exclamation point. So before we get in the Word, I want us to look at how we know things. How is it that you know things? Have you ever wondered that? And then why look at how we know things? Because I want us to leave here tonight owning this. I want us to leave here owning the title of this message. This title isn't just a statement. It's not just a sentence. It's for us to know deep in our souls that he makes all things new now. And then to truly walk in that. So in the realm of knowing, there are four areas of knowing that I want us to look at. So if you're a note taker, we're going to look at propositional knowing. We're going to look at procedural knowing. Perspectival knowing or perspective. And we're going to look at participatory knowing. Propositional knowing. So with propositional knowing, we just know that something is the case. It is or it isn't. You just know it. So some examples would be, for, for example, if I had a basketball and I was holding in my hand, I could say this basketball is spherical, it's round. I could say one plus one equals two. I could say the grass is green. These are true propositions. But what if I said one plus one equals nine? Hmm, that's not true. That's a false proposition. So with propositional knowing, we're in this realm of true or false. And then we get into procedural knowing. Now, this is knowing how to do something. Procedures, right? Techniques, skills. And this is not referred to as true or false, but when we think about procedural knowing, right, since we're in this realm of skills, we think about it in terms of effectiveness. Like, how effective was that, right? Oh, man, that was powerful, And then we get into perspectival knowing, perspective. So this is about perspective, and it's about our sense of presence. And to think about this one, think about how you see, right? You have your left eye, you have your right eye, and with both eyes you look out, and you have a field of vision. And we look into our world, and we see a perspective that we call 3D, three-dimensional. So we have this three-dimensional perspective space, right? And now we have this sense of space. We have this sense of presence in the space that we're in. And then this perspective then tells me, right, wherever I'm at, this sense of space, it tells me what procedural type things I'm going to pull into this situation and then coordinate and utilize them. And then the other neat thing about perspective knowing is that sometimes when we're, you know, in this perspective sense, we're like, whoa, I don't have that skill set. So it can even be a place of where we're like, oh, here's some things that I need to learn. Here's some things that I need to grow in. And then we get into participatory knowing. How do you participate? This one's a little trickier. I'll say it like this. You are you. I am me. You participate every how you participate wherever you are. What do I mean? Well, when I look out on the crowd right now, I don't see anyone holding a softball bat. Anybody have a softball bat? Good. No softball bats. But what I do see is I see Bibles. I see some pens and notepads. So you're participating appropriately. You and I are here together participating in forces and factors that shape us and fit us together. And there's a word that's used in this area of participatory knowing called Affordance. Now, there are things that afford each of us the opportunity to be here. By God's grace, I have been afforded the opportunity to be standing here before you. By the trust of my pastor, Pastor Ed, I have been afforded the opportunity to be standing here before you. By the fact that I can teach in English, I have been afforded the opportunity to be standing here before you. So now let's look at these in reverse by looking at a word that we're all aware of, and the word is Culture shock, culture shock. So, imagine for a second that you're dropped in the middle of the Amazon jungle. There you are. Uh Uh-oh, the affordances are gone. You don't speak the language, you don't know the environment, your participatory knowing breaks down. You don't even know how to participate or act appropriately. And then you look around you and guess what your perspective even starts to break down how do I look at my world with the right perspective pull from some procedural stuff bring in some skills some procedural knowing yet your procedural knowing breaks down too because you don't even know what skills to engage what berries are you going to eat what animals do you avoid with these all broken down i can't even generalize any patterns to start forming some general you know like this some general patterns to start forming propositions about facts even so get to that baseline level of proposition so even my propositional knowing breaks down ha huh. it's gone and this feels a bit like being at the end of a rope with nowhere else to go so now what This is often where we are when we finally listen to Jesus. He has some things to say to us to bring about our transformation. He has some things to say to us that feels at times like culture shock. Think about this for a second. If I asked you to give me a full set of instructions on how to tie my shoelaces, could you do it? I'd say to you, no. Could you give me a full set of instructions on how to ride a bicycle? I would say to you, no. Could you give a full set of instructions for newlyweds on their marriage night? I would submit to you, no. Even the teacher of Proverbs couldn't give these instructions. Listen to what the teacher says in Proverbs 30, verses 18 and 19. These are the three things which are too wonderful, wonderful for me. Yes, four, which I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the air. The way of a serpent on a rock. The way of a ship in the midst of the sea. And the way of a man with a virgin. As these ways of knowing break down for us, we begin to listen to Jesus. We can hear him say, come to me. We can hear him say, to enter my kingdom, you have to be born again. Born again? Okay. We hear him when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We accept Him and He gives us His righteousness and His resurrection power. We hear Him when He says we are His and no one can snatch us from His Father's hands. We hear Him when He says, You are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Exclamation point now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do come before You. And uh, just by way of introduction, Lord, um, you know, everything that I even talked about, Lord, each and every one of us in here are fearfully and wonderfully made. Lord, you've given us minds, Lord, to reason and to think. You've given us emotions, um, Lord, to respond, uh, Lord, and and you're the Lord of it all. And so as we get into your word tonight and we look at 2 Corinthians 5 and we look at what it is to be made new in you, Lord, I ask that all of our hearts be open, that our minds be open, and that we own it that it's ours, that day to day we're looking, Lord, for you to make all things new in our lives. So go before us. Lord, I just ask for you to minister to me as I just happen to be standing here sharing, Lord, what you've put on my heart, and that you be honored, that you be glorified in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so we know from the opening chapters of Genesis that God proclaimed all things, like all of his creation was very good. It's very good. And then, immediately, sin and death enter the picture, and it's good no longer. And for every one of us here, right, for you, for me, your life, my life, our experiences exist inside of decay, destruction, death, and evil. And it's not good news. And the reality is that this will continue until the final judgment and the ultimate promise of Revelation 21.5, when it's fulfilled. And there, what does he say in Revelation 21.5? Behold, I make all things new. There will be a new heaven and a new earth, but not yet. And we long for that. Why? Because eternity is in our hearts. It's in our very DNA. Even nature groans to be delivered from the curse as Romans 8.22 says, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now, until this present moment. Our very creation is groaning. And here we are in this present time, not yet in Revelation chapter 21. We're here awaiting that ultimate promise of newness. And while waiting for the ultimate promise in this context of decay, destruction, death, and evil, we don't just sit around like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Days weeks, months, who knows? We don't sit around. Salvation is today. His grace and mercy is new today. We have promises of newness to live out now. So to explore this, we'll be in 2 Corinthians 5, and we're going to look at verses 12 through 21. Hopefully you guys are already there. So picking up in verse 12, here's what the scripture says. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. Boast in appearance and not in heart. The the NLT would say it this way. Brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. We know that there were false teachers in Corinth at this time bagging on Paul bagging on how uh, unimpressive Paul was, but Paul had something with the Corinthians that these false teachers didn't have. He had true relationship, true discipleship. He had been in the trenches with the Corinthians. And just as we looked at the ways of knowing earlier, there's a type of knowing that only comes through discipleship. I can't give you instructions on how to ride a bike, but I can help you ride a bike. I'm not going to tell you how? To tie your shoelaces. I'm not going to give you instructions on that, but I can help you tie your shoelaces. Listen, listen to Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Now, this is a command that we need help with. We need someone with sincerity of heart who is living this out to help us. Paul had that sincerity of heart, sincerity of heart. Paul would even say, Hey, follow me as I follow Christ. Jesus certainly had this sincerity of heart. He came to us in the flesh, He helped the disciples in the way, He lived it. Jesus did put on tender mercies, He put on kindness. He put on humility, he put on meekness, he put on long-suffering, he did bear us up, and he did forgive us. He was love, he was perfect. And what does John 1 say about Jesus? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, he was in the beginning with God. So this word, Word, in John 1, in Greek is logos. Logos. Or logos. So I want to to read it to you again. Replacing word with logos. In the beginning was the logos. And the logos was with God. And the logos was God. He was in the beginning with God. Logos. Dialogos. Dialogue. Does the Bible say where ten or more are gathered together in Jesus' name, he will be with them? No. What does he say? He says two or three. It takes at least two to tango. And Paul was in sincerity of heart, serving them, dialoguing with them to help bring about their transformation. And so it is with us, guys. In our vertical relationship with Jesus, he helps us put on his characteristics. In our horizontal relationships with each other, in fellowship, we help each other put on his characteristics. Characteristics. So picking back up in 2 Corinthians 5, it is in this sincerity of heart that Paul says, verse 13, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. Other translations use the word crazy for beside ourselves. So from this sincere heart, Paul's willing to do anything, anything. If he's beside himself, i.e. a little foolish, a little crazy, it's to bring glory to God. And if it's Of sound mind, it's for their benefit. But either way, a little crazy or in his right mind for Paul, it doesn't matter. And why? Because of love. Look at verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. We're no longer living for ourselves. We are living in and for Christ to receive all that He has for us and to help others, to be in dialogue, dialogos, to bring others to this way of Jesus. Verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know Him thus no longer. Listen to this verse 16 in the NLT NLT translation. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Have you? At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. You know, so I don't know who all is in the crowd. Like, you know, you may be a non-believer and you may be saying to yourself, yeah, that's how I think of Christ. You know, good man. For his time, for his culture. And even for believers, You know, some of your testimony may be the same as mine. That was, you know, Christ was just a good man. Just as the verse says here. At one time, I thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. But not anymore. How differently we know him now. So that's it. It's different now. We live a new life. We live a life of examination. We live a life of being accountable to each other in freedom. We're not accountable to each other in. Uh, what's the word? I just lost it. Uh, uh, Legalism, right? We're accountable to each other in freedom and together we live a life of transformation. Verse 17, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us this The ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Christ is reconciling the world to himself, and now we are commissioned to do the same thing. This reconciliation has been committed to you, and it's been committed to me. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So let's hear that again. Believers, you're a new creation. You live, you breathe, you move, you have your very being in Jesus which makes you an ambassador to be in dialogue with the people in your world, reconciling them to God. That's the game. That's what we're up to. And if you happen to be a non-believer hearing my voice right now, I say what Paul just said. I say to you that God is pleading through me. I implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God once and for all. Now, if you've heard everything up to now and you've heard me talk about logos and dialogue and dialogos, and you might even be saying, well, JJ, you're doing all the talking. Sounds like a monologue to me. Well, I'll tell you this, when the Spirit hits you and His words are resonating in your heart, you are in the most precious dialogue of your entire life. Because you see, your dialogue is first with Jesus, with the very logos. You have to get that dialogue handled first. And then there's the rich dialogue of the fellowship of the believers. So we have this new life. It is ours. So let us own it and live it. All right. I'm a new creation. Yes. And that guy cuts me off on I-25. Or my two teenage boys are knuckleheads and I want to do the old three stooges I poke. So it can be Interesting. It'd be interesting. We want this promise to be ours and we want to live it out, but sometimes it takes time. And our emotions and our actions at any given moment sometimes can even kind of bring doubt and wonder, right? Am I a new creation? Yes. If you're in Jesus, yes, but it doesn't always feel this way. So to illustrate this, I want to give you a little bit of my own testimony. It's a part of my testimony that comes out of grief. Now, the thing about grief is it has a way of shattering expectations, <sighs> it has a way of breaking down all the ways of knowing that I shared earlier. Grief has a way of putting you at the end of your, at, right at the end of your rope. Why, Lord? Why, why, why? And I love what Pastor Ed shared in a previous message. He said, asking why is just a never-ending cycle of seeking more information when it's not information we need. Jesus, reveal yourself. Be the Word in my life. Be the Logos. Jesus, dialogue with me. Help me. And so before sharing my testimony, I do, I do want to just, I want you to know that I have shared this testimony a few other times, but it's been in different context. And the Lord has used it each time in a different way. And even tonight, He's using it a different way. And I say this because I want to point out to you what the Word tells us. And in Revelation, the Word tells us how we overcome our ancient enemy is through the blood of the Lamb, and the word of our testimony. And you too have a testimony. Share it, share it. So September 15th, 2021. My mom died from COVID. And so as the baby of the family and the only boy, I was definitely a mama's boy. I loved my mom and she was the matriarch of our large extended family. A wonderful Southern cook. soul food. And the thing about mom was everybody was welcome to her table. There was always enough for whoever would show up. So when I arrived in town, she was on a ventilator. I was able to spend time with her, play worship music, and read the word to her. This was a hard way to go, but you have to know that my mom was weary and she was ready for heaven. Her time on the ventilator was not looking good and my dad was beginning to put on me, to put it on me to make the choice of um, taking her off the ventilator. The Lord was giving me the divine strength to just be there for him and be there for my family. I didn't have to make any decisions because the Lord took my mom. So at the time I received this as, as his protection. And I was even able to do the eulogy for my mom, which brought tears. We laughed together. Um, and then my dad, he asked me, he said, son, will you be my, will you be my right-hand man during the funeral? And, and I was able to do that. To be with him, as he sobbed like a baby. To soothe him in his tears when he kept apologizing for crying. You know, because, you know, my dad's 76 now, so some of you older folks, like, you guys are old school You guys don't cry much. But for him, this was different. I was able to protect him from conversations that he didn't want to have. So it was a good funeral. My mom was honored, and the Lord made sure of it. And then I came home. And as soon as I got home, I was blindsided by anger. My medical background came back to me as I just sat on my own and just began to run everything through this medical background uh, filter. And ultimately, it was through a filter of anger and judgment, ripping apart the medical staff and doing the whole, what they should have done. I vividly remembered the the missing button on the doctor's shirt as he comes into the waiting room, and there we sat, you know, and I'm like, remembering this, and I'm like, come on, man, be presentable, button up your shirt, angry. And I was angry for two months. Why, God? What's the purpose of all this? So notice the change of focus. So remember, my mom was ready to go, but that was no longer my focus. During this time, during my anger, I, about all I could do is I was able to write some poetry, so all of the poetry that I, wrote, uh, that I wrote was saturated with anger. If you call prayer arguing with God or asking the why questions, then I guess I was praying. I didn't read the word a whole lot, but I did read a ton of books on grief. Because I wanted to hear from those who understood. Fellowship during that time period was hard, right? Because during that time period, all I could hear was everything that, you know, if you had said something to me during that time period, you know, I would smile and say thank you. But really, in my inside voice, I was like, yeah, whatever, whatever. Really couldn't hear from anyone. And the idea was, is like pretty much everything anybody had to say to me, it's like I already knew it. And I just felt like it was cliche. Like, yeah, you're just saying the thing that you need to say. But then through it all, I landed on the biggest cliche of all. God is good. God is good. And I want you guys to feel that, right? It's true. God is good. This attribute of God, his goodness, is now mine So I give you that testimony, right? Because I'm just wanting to come at this from every angle that I can of like, he makes all things new now. Like, I don't want that to be a sentence for us. I don't want that to be a statement for us. I want us to own it. So I give you that testimony to tell you where I landed, right? Because I landed through that trial and tribulation. I landed on one simple statement. God is good. God is good. That's mine now. So now listen to this one. Hey, you, you in Christ, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You are a new creation. So I pray that for you, that you own it. And I've learned that on this side of heaven, it can take some time to own his promises. I've also learned to appreciate that it's trials, tribulations, and sufferings of life that teach me to own his promises. And many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if I could right now, I would jump off stage with a microphone and I would we you know would do a testimony night but I can't do that right and for for me to just see and for us to see like what have you gone through what is your one liner from God what are you owning in Christ right now what is the promise that is yours and no one can take it away from you so I can't do that with everyone So what I did in preparation for this message, I did talk to some people, and I just said, hey, kind of gave them the situation and said, you know, through a trial, tribulation, through something in your life, like what is a one-liner, like something at the end of it that God just gave you something? And here are a couple. Uh, So after a hard time making some family decisions, one family was given this. Here's a one-liner. Go forward. That's theirs. They own it. Damon, can you come on up? One of the teachers I talked to here at the academy uh, shared this one. Here was their one-liner. Learn, trust, obey. Here was another one. In terms of leadership, this one was shared. Lead from a place of giving, not from a place of proving something. Ooh, that's a one-liner. I I wonder what they uh, went through to get to that one. Maybe some bad leadership, right? Maybe some rebukes. Maybe some admonishment. But the Lord had something for them. All right, not everybody can give their testimony, but I have asked uh, Damon to come up and uh, share with us, uh, and for him to give us a one-liner that the Lord has given him. Love you, bro. Love
1: you. <clears throat> What's up, church fam? Um, so he's like, you get three minutes. So I'm like, <laughs> really? So I'm like, five. how do you, oh, I get five. Woo, that just like, my heart just slowed down a little bit. Um, So first off, I'm going to be real, we're all adults in here, I I think, Um, because what I'm going to tell you guys about is, I'm a sap, I cry a lot, I'm going to do my best, Um, you heard this man, he's the same way, he's like one of my best friends on the planet right here. Aren't we blessed though, like for real as a church, like we're filled with just men and women who love the word and the testimonies in this room, and so here's what I want to talk to you about. I'm going to try to condense about five and a half years into five minutes, Okay. So my wife and I, who I actually met in this church right over here in the sanctuary, um, we have a prodigal son and daughter. Uh, we haven't seen them in many years. We started a journey to try to have our own children in 2017. After my daughter was born in 04, and my kids are from a previous marriage, uh, I had a vasectomy done. And as a selfish 23-year-old man, Uh, Didn't know the Lord. I didn't get saved until I was 30 years old. Many years later, uh, I wanted to uh, not have any more kids. I didn't want any more responsibility. So, moved through a lot of pain and suffering with drugs and alcohol and addiction. Get saved in 2011. And then get out of a rehab. That's where I got saved. And I meet my wife in this church, and we get married in 2014. And then, like, we have this desire that we want to have a baby. So... I go and have a surgery to try to make that happen. And initially it was successful, and then it wasn't. And so this started this long period of just, like JJ said, just grief, like the questions and all those things. I believe that I've been filled up with a lot of faith. Um, I believe my wife and I have a tremendous amount of perseverance. And so, like, there was other things on the table we just did not think was something that we wanted to do. One of those would be IVF, in vitro fertilization. I don't know if you guys know what that is. But then, fast forward a few years, and we had a lot of no's. Like, because of my past, we tried to adopt, and we were told no. Another closed door. And that was really, really hard. And so, then a couple more years goes by, and a family in our church, who we love dearly, sent us this very strange text message on... There's a couple that they know that have a fertilized egg. We know you guys were trying to have a baby. So we thought of you and we're like, that's a really strange text message to get. And so, but here's what's interesting. So we just started talking about it because our conviction years ago was, we felt like that was forcing God's hand. Well, here's the reality. Over time, as you mature in the Lord, your conviction should change, okay? Now your conviction should line up with the Bible, number one right? They can't contradict the word. But I just want to encourage you with that, because now we were talking about this, and we were praying about this, and we decided to take a step of faith. And we did. And we started IVF, which, if anybody in this room, online, on the radio, has ever gone through IVF, it is incredibly, it's difficult, it's painful, not to mention how expensive it can be. And we went through two cycles, and neither of them were successful. is the hardest thing that we had ever had to go through. I mean, the first cycle, we actually had an implant. We had a little girl, and it didn't, it didn't take. We didn't give up. We're, we just kept hearing from the Lord, and he never removed this desire from us to want to have a child. So we tried again, and it wasn't successful. So through this, though, like I have had to have this other procedure done in order to make the IVF possible. So now I was at surgery number three. My wife, who is an absolute soldier, going through IVF, hundreds of shots and just preparations and all this. I mean, it is a lot, guys. And she did it twice. So now we're at this stage where we're like, okay, are we supposed to stop but well, we just felt like we were con- supposed to continue. And the verse that the Lord had given us in the very beginning, I'm gonna read it to you. It's, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So we just kept holding on to that verse. We just kept holding on to that verse. And then after the last unsuccessful um, IVF cycle, my wife just happened to be doing some research, and we found another doctor, a surgeon in Arizona, that specialized in reversals and had thousands of success stories. So we took another step of faith, and I had another procedure done. And here's what's incredible when we got our first result, after having six years, almost six years of no after no after no after no, but not giving up, not giving up, and just saying like, we really want a baby. We want an extension of our legacy. We were actually with JJ in the car in Georgia, because we went with them to, to, for Christmas, on our way up to a, a resort, and I put the, the doctor on speakerphone. The levels that I had were so high, it was as if I'd never had a vasectomy in the first place. I mean, absolutely unbelievable. So, I mean, you want to talk about making a roadway in the wilderness and streams in the desert. So here's where we're at, though. Like, we still aren't pregnant. We're trying. But here's my my one-liner that JJ's talking about and, like, taking ownership of it. If I look back on my life, and even the sum and substance of my whole life, this still holds true. But even in this last five and a half, almost six years, thus far, he has helped us. Hmm. Now, here's what's incredible about that. That started at the cross, right? So like if all Jesus did was die for our sins, that's it, that's enough. Thus far, he helped us, right? But we look back at all these Ebenezer stones and so my encouragement is just don't give up. And if any of you in the room online on Grace FM are listening and you are trying to have a baby and you're like, are we supposed to stop? I'm just telling you guys, don't give up because thus far, he has helped us.
0: Hmm. Good brother. Love you, dude. So whether we like it or not, suffering is a great teacher of dependence on him. And we go through this life experiencing suffering and owning his promises. And here's the thing, guys. We can also glean and own promises uh, just by living out his will and call for our lives and learning to give up what we think is good for what he knows is best for our lives. And, And with that statement, I know that some of you might even go like, well, what is God's will for my life? And I just want to encourage you to look at what's right in front of you. What's in front of you? because if you believe and know that God allows things in your life, right, to train you, to guide you, then look right in front of you, and then commit to those things. May it be family, school, church, fellowship, whatever it is that the Lord has on your plate, because He truly wants you to be faithful with the small things so He can give you more. And remember that whatever the more is that He gives you, it's not meant to hoard away, but it's meant to be used for his glory, being an ambassador for Christ and reconciling the world to God. So for tonight, let this be added to you and let's own it. He makes all things new now. Amen? All right. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the testimony that was given. Lord, and I thank you for every life that is, that is here. Um, Lord, the, the families that are represented. Uh, Lord, even, you know, there's some grief that came up tonight, the grief that's represented here. Lord, I pray for your comfort in their lives. Lord, I pray that um, the promises that you have for them um, are theirs, uh, Lord, and and to just hold on uh, to you, Lord, just you as the anchor of hope, uh, Lord. and, And also, if there's anyone here, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, that needs to be in dialogue with you, Father... Dialogue with them, and I know you are. Um, and if you happen to be that person, come up afterwards. There will be a, There's a prayer team up here, and, and each individual here will be willing to dialogue with you as, the, as, as Jesus dialogues with you. So, Jesus, we love you, we praise you, and we give all things to you in your name. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Church. For prayer, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. To listen to this message in its entirety or to join us for our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.